0: Portland State University's History Department presents This Week, Back Then. Today we are jumping back to March 13th, 1901, when Portland's most notorious gangster, Jim Elkins, was born. This is Jeffrey Stone. Gambling, booze, prostitution, and pinball, this is the legacy of Portland's own infamous crime boss, Jim Elkins. Though he was born in Texas, James Big Jim Elkins achieved his notoriety in Portland, Oregon. Elkins and his brother Fred set up numerous gambling and prostitution establishments across Portland in the 1930s and 40s. One of the biggest payouts for Elkins were pinball machines. Slot machines were made illegal in the 1930s, and pinball quickly replaced them at local taverns. The skill involved and the fact that the tavern owner paid out the winnings made pinball legal under federal law. At the time, pinball was a $3 billion business nationally. In addition to pinball machines and prostitutes, Elkins' establishments were famous for serving bootleg alcohol. The Portland police, state attorneys, and even the mayor were all taking bribes from Big Jim. Harry King, an employee of Elkins, recalled the good old days. We had all the gambling joints, all the bootleg joints in the downtown area, and nobody can open a place without an OK from Jim. We could double park our car out in the middle of the street and let it sit there. The cops wouldn't dare touch it because we worked for Jim. It wasn't long before another group of racketeers and criminals showed up. In this case, it was the Teamsters Union and Organized Crime from Seattle. The Seattle Racketeers wanted to gain control of the Portland vice industry by utilizing the Teamsters Union as their muscle and Elkins as the middleman between the two organizations. The Teamsters dominated local businesses through intimidation and delivery strikes. Those who used outside labor or sold products not sanctioned by the Teamsters either received no deliveries or their owners were threatened physically. Big Jim's responsibilities to the Seattle Racketeers continued to grow as did the payments he owed to the Seattle group. While working a deal to secure the location site for the future Memorial Coliseum, their relationship quickly unraveled. Seattle and Teamsters wanted Elkins to front more money to secure the site, and Elkins decided he wanted out. In 1956, he ended his relationship with the Teamsters and the Seattle group. Teamster boss Frank Brewster gave Elkins this warning. I make chiefs of police and I break chiefs of police. I've been in and out of jail. Nothing scares me. If you embarrass my boys, you'll find yourself walking across Lake Washington with concrete boots on. Knowing that the police and politicians were now largely in the pocket of his former partners, Elkins wiretapped the homes of Teamsters and Seattle racketeers that were living in apartment buildings he owned. The tapes caught the attention of Robert F. Kennedy, who was working for the McClellan Committee, a special Senate subcommittee on labor crimes. The McClellan Committee subpoenaed local Teamster bosses, members of the Seattle Racketeer Group, and Big Jim Elkins himself. When a couple of thugs showed up at Elkins' home, trying to intimidate him and his family, Elkins had this to say. I talked to them. I hit one in the head with a shotgun, and I put him in his car. Big Jim Elkins could not be intimidated or run out of his own town. Neither could he be taken down legally. Despite over 100 indictments between the Teamsters, Seattle, and Elkins himself, Big Jim was acquitted on all charges after two appeals. James Big Jim Elkins, untouchable till the end. For more on this topic and others, please visit pdx.edu history.